0: Let your kingdom come Father let your will be done On earth as in heaven Right here in my heart Father let your kingdom come
1: Testing, one, two, three, four, five, six. Sounds good.
2: Good morning, everybody. You know, as we, as we are gathered here this morning, let's remember the most important thing. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's sing to this glorious God
3: Mission everybody. My name is JC Russell. And my name is Leah Brigant. Welcome. You know, Leah, I was driving in today and the band Journey was playing. Uh-huh. You know, Journey is so old. They're actually considering changing their name to Destination.
4: <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today. Um, First, I want to tell a story. We have a cool God story that happened last week. Um, We had our prophetic ministry Sunday, and Rachel Childs, one of our members, said that um, God had been putting on her heart to heal somebody with a pain on the left side of their neck. And one of our other members, Kristen Arnold, had been experiencing just that. Um, and she was in the service where Rachel presented that. And um, Kristen made sure she received prayer that day. And you know what? God healed her that same day. Um, here's exactly what she said. I was healed instantly and have not had pain since. Praise God.
3: Amen. Amen. Well, guys, you know, prayer is a very big deal here at Great Commission Church. And as an act of worship, I would encourage you to start filling out this welcome card. You can uh, give us some information, but you can also put a prayer on there. Our staff and our elders, we love praying for these every week. Uh, guys, we've also got a great service plan for you. Uh, you can follow along in that worship guide. Uh, you can see we've got a, a, a message from Trevor. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be wonderful. We've also got an update from what our, our missions uh What our missions are doing all around the world, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be wonderful. You can also see some events we have planned here. Uh, Leah, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about that?
4: Absolutely. So this Friday, we are going to the Hustle Game. GC Kids will, uh, will take over, and so make plans to do that. You can find more information in your worship guide and on our website.
3: Awesome. We also have our Super Bowl Sunday coming up for our kids. It's going to be during first service. Uh, it is first through sixth grade. They're going to meet in the theater. We've got some awesome guest speaker. We've got some trivia. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be wonderful.
4: Awesome. Awesome. So if you're new here, there is some information on the back of the worship guide for you. We want you to feel comfortable and just enjoy the service.
3: Awesome. Awesome. You can also say hello by filling out this welcome card here if you're new. Uh, If you'd like to, you can swing by the the new here kiosk we've got outside. We'd love to give a a gift to you. We've got that for you. Also, we have something called a connect group. It is so fun, you're going to love it. Uh, You can expect a uh, light Bible study. You're going to meet wonderful people, and you're going to get to know a little bit about Great Commission Church. If that interests you, go ahead and mark uh, get-to-know-people Uh, Great Commission Church, on that welcome card. You're going to love it.
4: So next, we're going to move into our missions update, and to tell us a little bit about that, Kyle will uh, join us on the stage.
3: Welcome, Kyle.
5: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Kyle. I'm the missions director. Uh, My job is to introduce our guest today. But before we get started on that, I want to just kind of move into it this way. Uh, I have a little lawn business that I do, and during the uh, summer months, I do a lot of banking down here at the corner bank, and they know that I that I do this, and there, so I've gotten to be good friends with them. And so in the wintertime, when I go through there, they're always curious, well, what do you do during the winter? You know, like, oh, well, well, I said, my full-time gig is I'm the uh, missions director at Great Commission Church. And this one particular lady, Miss Diane, she said, Really, she said, "I've always wanted to give to missions, but how do you know that what you're giving to is legitimate?" I said, "Well, I said the biggest thing I can tell you, uh, Miss Diane, is to make sure you know somebody personally that has been on the trips, validated where your money's going to, what it's going to do." Uh, and and that's the way you do it. Well, before I know it, Miss Diane is is giving me some money back. Usually I'm putting money in. Well, she's giving me some money back, and and I'll tell you what it it gave me great uh, pleasure to be able to do. I said, I want you to go to to, uh, MikeCurry.com, and I want you to go to Harvest Evangelistic uh, Association, and I said, in there, in those two websites, you can see not only what they do and where your money you just gave me is going to go, but you can also see us on the field. You can see me out there along with other church members. So you'll know that what you just gave me, you'll know where it's going, you'll know what it's going to go for. So that's, that, that's uh, one of the best things that I can describe to you. Uh, as you get ready to, uh, uh, to hear Greg and Michelle today, what you'll know is that <clears throat> through, these, uh, through all the things that we get to do, Uh, This is just an honor. It's a great honor to be able to do this, to be able to uh, show, give you an open look at what we're doing. Uh, Before we get ready to, to have them up, you'll notice out in the lobby, Greg's got a full display out there, everything that he does, everything that's going on. And today, seeing is believing. Greg McClanahan, come give us a report and tell us about Harvest Evangelistic Association. Welcome Greg to the stage.
1: Amen. well thank you much uh, first of all I just want to thank you all as a church for what you do uh, to press into the harvest around the world and, and uh, bring the good news to people everywhere the gospel uh, all of us God's done incredible miraculous things he gave us a new life it's a miracle that only he can do and he did it, he did it in me this this bareback bronc riding idiot (laughs) just i was drunk on jack daniels whiskey all the time and i met a man who loved his god cleaning the floors in the factory where i worked at general motors to pay the entry fees for the rodeos and travels and i met that man who loved his god with a passion with all his heart and I couldn't escape that, I'm telling you. Down on his knees, cleaning the floors while I was just walking around listening to him talk about how much he loved his Jesus, how it was in their home, how him and his wife and children got together every morning in a circle and prayed and asked God to show them what to do with their kids. And I said, you talk to God? And he said, yeah. I said, does he talk to you? He was, yeah. I said, well, what do you do? And he said, we sit there until he does. <laughs> he said, sometimes we're sitting there 15 minutes in silence after we asked the Lord something. I thought, man, I never saw anything like, if anybody was like that in our family growing up, those people would have been called fanatics, and, and they would have said, you know, they're just radical extremists, And but they were the people who really loved God in our family, and they were just shunned to the side. It was very few. So this bareback, bronc, riding drunkard, sitting in the driveway of my sister's dirt road driveway to her house there one morning in the car, sleep. I heard a vehicle pull up, and I pulled up my hat, took down my sunglasses, and I looked, and I saw Michelle get out of the car. I told my sister, I said, oh, I have got to know her. I've got to know her. And uh, that's when I met Michelle and i'm going to tell you michelle drank more jack daniels than i did she she was crazy wild she was a heavy metal rock and roller that her friends were nuts she was crazy and 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 some other day some other day i want to tell you why i understand when paul said be not drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit because because when michelle she that person so afraid of people and so shy and so gentle but yet when she would drink whiskey jack daniel's whiskey she became controlled by that bold as a lion and, and we'd be in the bars and stuff and she would shove these six foot six guys and, and get us in all kinds of trouble. And So what Paul was saying is he said hey don't be drunk with wine but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So we began knowing each other and and spending a lot of time together and her through my broken bones and hospital visits while she's getting her hair done. And I wake up from being unconscious and say, where's Michelle? She comes back and tells me she had to go get her hair done. I'm like, what are you doing? But anyway, it was an incredible journey for us because it led to that day when I was in General Motors in that floor and, and the Lord just radically changed my life forever. And I started going home, and they gave me a New Testament. And I was going home and showing Michelle. I was saying, man, look what God said here. And she said, do you want another beer? And I I don't even need that anymore. (laughs) And I'd go, look at this, look at this. And I was showing her all this stuff. And she was calling her friends and said, Greg has gone nuts. He's turned into a religious fanatic. and, And she just it was just crazy. Two weeks later, I call her from work. And normally I would say, hey, what are you doing? And she would say, same thing as always, nothing. Our marriage was on the very edge of being over for sure. And uh, she'd let me know about that all the time too. And so we didn't act actually have a very good relationship. And I would say, what are you doing? Same thing as always, nothing. And I'd say, we well, can clean out the bass boats. We had two bass boats. We had five cars. Only two of them at a time ran. But, but I'd say, you can, you can clean out the bass boats or something. And, and she would get mad and hang up on me and so one day i called her from work and i said what are you doing she said i'm getting this stuff of the devil out of my house and i thought wow so that night i got home michelle had a pile of just cut up t-shirts and stuff and posters she had these things that, that she had hanging on our walls demons playing guitars and just just crazy stuff and listen it wasn't easy being a, 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 a but, but in defense of, of her side of the story, I will say this. When I would drive up and she'd be listening to the songs that are saying, if you're into evil, you're a friend of mine by ACDC, I'd be driving up listening to Hank Williams, Jr. I love to get what? Whiskey bent and hell bound. So there's not a lot of difference, y'all. And so, and so but she was, she was walking in the house, and she said that she just begin to just pray and talk to God and, and because she was listening to that song. And it said, you're in evil, you're a friend of mine. And it crushed her that day. And the Spirit of God came over her. And she was so radically changed that that gentle, kind, loving little Michelle that you all know today, you wouldn't believe it. But she was meaner than a snake. So anyway. So, so. So over the years we began to just go out into the neighborhoods, go out in the communities. We do film evangelism around the world in different countries. We have full-time teams from Harvest that, that are supported by us every month to do just that. So they're out there in the fields and they're doing we did those things in Oklahoma in our own city parks. Amen. I worked at General Motors. People were constantly coming up to me. Trevor, they were saying, what are you doing working here? You should be an evangelist. You should be a youth minister. You should be doing this, that. All I was doing was loving my God like that man on his knees. He was my example. He was the one I knew. He was the... And I found out real fast that I worked with a whole bunch of Sunday school teachers, choir people, and even a deacon of a church on my own line. I never even knew they were believers, y'all. Never knew they were believers. Anyway, they would say, why don't you quit and, and, and go into full-time ministry? And I'd say you know what, this is my mission field right here, this factory. I said, God knows where I'm at. He knows my address. And if he wants me to leave here, he'll let me know. And that's what I would say. I'm going to tell you, not two years after that, I was walking through the factory. And the Lord spoke to my heart as clear as a bell to leave in two weeks. Walk out the door and never looked back, and he would provide. Two weeks later, we sold everything we had, and two weeks after that, in a borrowed pickup truck that a friend of ours, who had a landscaping company, and he had a new S10 pickup, and our old pickup was just, it was rough, he said, I want you to take this one, a borrowed pickup truck, we headed down, and we had already been working in campaigns in Mexico on my time off from GM, but that time we headed down full time, to go there, live there, work there, sleeping in the truck, sleeping on benches in churches, and just traveling through the country. We'd change the oil in in the vehicle every month because we'd make a 3,000-mile loop going through there all down into the south and around, uh, preaching the gospel and using film evangelism. Whenever the Lord said, go, in two weeks, I never even had to think about it. I went home, told Michelle, and she said, she said she already knew, and so, and so, so we we didn't know what to do, and so we had a friend that was a retired missionary, Trevor. He was retired, and and we'd known him. We knew him real well, known him for years. And I said, let's go pick his brain. So we went to his house sat down in his living room, and he started telling us what you have to do. He said, you've got you to go to 100 churches before you leave General Motors. He said, you're not leaving in two weeks. You've got to stay there one year, preaching 100 churches every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. He said, and share what God's calling you to do and ask Him to support you. And he said, and you need to, he did this on his coffee table, you need to pin them down in their office before you leave their church. He said, they're going to forget you when you walk out the door. He said, then you've got to spend the next year, quit General Motors, and keep raising support to go. To support, like his way of viewing it, to support your family. So anyway, so when that happened, that moment, I looked at him and I said, I won't do that. I said, God said, go and don't look back and he'd provide. He looked at me. He looked at Michelle. He shook his finger at us and said, son, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. that was hard we walked out the door and i said michelle what do you think she said we got to go just rock solid so we went we started preaching the gospel everywhere we could go we started building the the ministry we slept in our truck all the time we slept in the church benches the wooden benches we'd pull the pads out of our truck put them in there and, and, and over the years since that time, that, that man would not even ever dream that not only do Michelle and I have to support ourselves, the, the ministry supports us separate from the ministry, but, but 50 other people the first of every month that we support. And we have our center down in Chiapas, Mexico. I hope all of y'all come with, with Kyle and Barney and, and Ernie and Kevin and the others. But, but that center, we never asked a church ever to take up an offering to help us build it. It's 75 yards long. It's 25 yards wide. It's two stories tall. The Lord has used that as a tool. to Him. He put on our hearts to plant what we do around the world in the heart of the mission field. Our entire administration of everything we do is down there. For it to have a Mexican face. The, every person that works there at the center, except for uh, Michelle and I and our, our technical director, Mark, everybody else is Mexican nationals. And they're the ones that we put in the, in the platform directing every meeting we do. And those pastors, over a thousand pastors, Trevor, over a thousand pastors are in our database that participate in projects that we do through the ministry from there. Trevor asked me to share with you all where they work now. We have full time film team evangelists that are working in the Congo, in Uganda, in the Philippines, Argentina. Mexico, and we have student graduates that are coming from Colombia because the pastor in Colombia heard about our school of radical frontline missions uh, from the pastors in Mexico, and so he started sending his students to our school over the years because he said that God put it on his heart to plant a hundred churches in the next ten years, and he said, "I'm sending our students from Colombia to your school to build my team to do that." Mercy. All right, I got eight seconds. Eight seconds, here we go. School of Radical Frontline Missions. We have our our graduate missionary outreaches. They preached the gospel to 103,619 people last year. 103,000 are graduates. 9,183 responded in invitations. The the full-time evangelistic film team ministers, they preached the gospel to 102,000. Kingdom Kids Christmas. 48,919 people attended last year, the ones you put together in 415 different locations, over 13,000, actually 13,085 people responded in the invitations in that. Now, some people say, that's a bunch of kids. Listen, 2,914 of those were moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. 33% of the people responding were adults. And out of that, out of that, we have this. Out of that, 44 new churches were planted. VBS of a lifetime, your church did. 170,196, counting the cumulative five-day attendance. In 439 different locations, people say, Greg, how could you all even manage that? We don't. They do because what the Lord told us to reproduce them to do it, not us. 439 different locations. That comes out to. Barney did this for me last night. It comes out to be 77.5 people at each location. That's how it's managed. Very small vacation Bible schools, and and 20,493 people responded. Out of those 20,000, 4,142 of those were adults, and out of that. 24 new churches were planted. Now, just those two ministries, just those two, 68 new churches were planted last year. And then we have more and more and more. Listen, thank you all. Thank you all for impacting the world. Thank you all for what you do. Thank you all for being a passionate church that's not going to ever, ever be content to just be a religious organization meeting together like a club. This church wants to be a radical front line uh, base for the gospel, not only around the world, but to reach the people across the street because I've always said anybody that reaches across the street is going to reach around the world. Thank you, pastor. Thank you all. Thank you. We've
6: got to pray for your energy level to be <laughs> increased. Father, <laughs> thank you. Where's Michelle? Come up here, please.
1: It's okay buy if we pray it. for she them. She doesn't buy it anymore. <laughs>
6: I can't believe you're still married. I don't know
1: yet. Yeah. I did. Michelle, she says, you forgot to say that I got That's saved that day. You? you did get saved. That's good to know. After the fact. All right. That day in the, in the living room. Um,
6: I want to tell you guys about mm. Greg and Michelle. Um, we ju- we've been having them in our missions conferences for seven or eight years. And it's just a couple of years ago that, that, that we found out that their ministry reached to the Congo and the Philippines and Uganda. And where, where else did you say? It's the, the Philippines,
1: Uganda, the Congo, Argentina, Argentina and Mexico, um, and now Colombia. Let
6: me tell you why we didn't know. Because Greg and Michelle have never, ever asked our church to support them financially. And when we got to look at that ministry, God made it very clear you need to support this and get in on what I'm doing. Um, they just serve the Lord. And it, would it be okay if we just stopped and pray for them? Okay. Can I put my hands on your shoulders? Sure. Father, thank you for the McClanahans. Uh, They're just conduits, God. They're channels that you've used from from the states to raise up leaders and multiply disciples and churches around the world. And, God, when you did it for them, it's clear you get all the credit because you consecrated these two believers. And I I pray for extra measure for them. God, I pray that you would increase, for your glory and for the saving of souls, increase their ministry in every one of those nations they just listed. God, give them every dime they have to have to do it. God, but more importantly, give them the people they need. God, I pray that today, as the sun rises over, those, over all of those nations, God, that there will be men and women that are saved in the preaching today. That in two or three years, they're, they're, they're leaving and starting new churches. God, raising up disciples, making disciple makers. God, I pray that you would protect them from the schemes of the devil. I pray, God, that you'd protect their health. I pray that you would, that you would give peace and harmony to their top-level leadership around the world. And God, don't give the devil a foothold. And we pray, God, for more for the glory of Jesus alone. God bless Harvest Evangelistic Association. In Jesus' name, Faithful Church said, Amen. hey, we love you guys. So good to, good to have you back. You. Glad you're here, my man. Love you guys. Thank you. <clears throat> this is the, ble- the best global offering Sunday yet because as we have our global offering ceremony, you just saw and heard how global we are and how when we fund the ministry here, the dollars don't just stay in olive branch. They go all around the world. And so we're getting ready to move into our Global Offering Sunday ceremony. Let me tell you what that's about because there new people here today. The first Sunday of every month is Global Offering Sunday. And on this day, we consecrate all that we're giving to the Lord for the month of February. And we give money. We give treasure. We give a very important resource that we have. We give our time and we give our talent and our gifts and how the Lord's made us. And so we are committing all of that time, talent, and treasure for the month of February to the Lord in the gathering of the saints today. This is also an opportunity for our members to encourage each other visibly as we financially support the church and the ministry together. And so when you rise out of your seat and you say, hey, count me in this month to support the ministry, it encourages those around you. This also provides a tangible offering experience for everyone who gives digitally. Most of the people who support our church do so invisibly online or on an app or through, uh, through uh, automatic withdrawal from your bank. And so if, if, when we receive our offerings every week, you don't put it in there. You give it another way. Well, this is an opportunity for you to say, hey, I want you to know I'm with you. It's not invisible to me. It's visible now. And let me tell you another thing this does. It reinforces to our children that they belong to a faith family that demonstrates our faith by generosity. It's, this is so evangelistic for the children around you today. It's important. Also, it's global because what you just heard, we're asking God to maximize our giving to make disciples that start churches all over the world. The definition in the New Testament for missions is very, is very uh, clear and it's very narrow. It's evangelism and church planting. And that's what Harvest and the Gang does. So here are the instructions. Bring any offering or financial gift that you were planning to give physically today. Bring, the, bring it at this time. Put it in an envelope like this. If you're giving online, if you're giving later in the month, bring an empty envelope as an, as an example of, hey, I'm in this offering for the month too. If you're giving, uh, and, and when you do, we got, we've got uh, places here, there, receptacles here, there, there. Is there one in that corner? I can't see. I think there's four. Uh, you, go, you go to one of those receptacles. There'll be a godly leader, one of our elders or somebody like him. And he's going to say a, a quick blessing over your family and ask God to bless this offering and your life for the month. You place that offering envelope in the container. And then here's, here's, here's how it's different from the Lord's Supper. I'm asking us all to return to our seat and pray or meditate quietly until the ceremony ends. Uh, and then we, until we do something else, this kind of this is a time of holy reverence in the next few minutes. So let's all stand together. Leaders, you can take your places. I'm going to pray, and look, you get to pick any receptacle you want to go to as we worship the Lord in this holy moment. Leaders, if you'll come ahead and take a take your spots, got an empty one here. Jacob, we got them all covered? Okay. Father in heaven, the bounty we have is yours. The ability to get wealth is because of your grace, not because of our ingenuity or intelligence or our hard work. God, you've even given us the ability to work hard. And you have made our church rich. And it is our great honor every month to give you the first fruits, to give you the first check, to give you the substantial offering to say we are trusting and dependent on you for our sustenance. This is your time for your glory. Lord Jesus, bless our giving. Amen. You may go.
2: stand and sing another song together. To the King of Kings this morning Jesus we praise your name you are good and you are mighty do great things through the preaching of your word today in Jesus name amen you all can have a seat
6: find John chapter 14 in your Bibles John 14 I'm going to tell you a story. First, I'm going to tell you my name. I'm Trevor Davis. I'm GCC's pastor. If you're new, glad that you're here. This is the Assembly of the Saints, and we are gathered together in Jesus' name to to equip ourselves and encourage one another. I want to tell you a story about Robert Trent Jones Sr. Robert Trent Jones Sr. was a professional golf course architect. He designed or redesigned... Some 500 golf courses in 45 states, 35 nations, over a 70-year career. This guy was an old man when he died. When Robert Trent Jones Sr. redesigned the famous fourth hole at the Baltus Roll Golf Club's lower course, Springfield, New Jersey, just prior to the 1954 U.S. Open. The club president at Baltus Roll, a man named Hobart Ramsey. If you're expecting a baby boy and you're running out of names, how about Hobart? Hobart Ramsey and some of the other important members of the golf club thought that this favorite hole of theirs, this par three that goes over a pond, was now unfair the way it played because of the redesign by Robert Trent Jones. Well, Robert Trent Jones offered to their complaints to play the hole himself along with the club pro, Johnny Farrell, and two other really good golfers from the club. And he invited a crowd to come watch. and included Hobart Ramsey and some of the sports writers. At the time, they, were, they wrote for newspapers. They played the hole from the 165 yard members tee box. And Johnny Farrell went first and he teed off and he cleared the pond and his ball landed on the green. Next came his two compadres, his two friends, and they teed off and they also cleared the pond and their balls landed on the green. And all that was left was Robert Trent Jones And Robert Trent Jones may have been a professional golf course architect, but at best, he was a recreational player. He built them, he didn't play. He stepped up on the tee box with a cigar in his mouth. And by the way, I confirmed this story in four different sources. And took the best from all of it and made it the best story I could possibly have today. (laughs) With a cigar in his mouth, Robert Trent Jones Sr. swung his four iron And to everybody's amazement, his ball cleared the pond and also landed on the green. Except his ball kept rolling and rolling and sank in the middle of the cup for the hole in one. (laughs) Turning to the assembly, here's what Robert Trent Jones said. Gentlemen, you're wrong. As you can see, this new hole is eminently fair. And he walked off the golf course. Now, today, the young people would call that a mic drop. In 1954, they just called it, I told you so. What does it mean to be vindicated? Can you think of any I told you so moments in the Bible? Well, I can. The first one that comes to my mind was when it started raining after Noah and his family and two of every animal entered the ark and God shut the door. That's when heaven said to mankind, you were wrong. You should have listened to my preacher But that's not the direction I want to carry this sermon. We don't don't necessarily want to rub it in the face of sinners, right? Christians want sinners to be saved and believe the gospel, the same thing that happened to all of us. Can I get an amen? Is that right? There will be, however, one final moment of vindication for the Christian church one day. Jesus will return to earth to set all things right and to make all things new. He told his disciples, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And my brothers and sisters, that's our final promise in this five-part series called 29 Days of Promise. I will not leave you orphans. I'll come to you. Here's what I'm going to do now. Our text today is John 14. Our promise is John 14, 18, but we need some context. So I'm just going to quickly walk us through John 14, 12 through 18 or 19, something like that. You ready? Oh, I couldn't hear you. Here's verse 12. And look, as we walk through this, I'm going to give you some promises that Jesus makes along the way. So first thing he says is, Most assuredly I say to you, disciples, He who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Here's the first promise along the way. Jesus says to his disciples, you will carry on my ministry and you will increase it. The one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. You'll carry on my ministry after I go to the Father. But you'll also increase my ministry, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, Jesus did some incredible works. Do we agree? I mean, walking on water was kind of a big deal, but that was just, that was on the low end. Rising from the dead is the ultimate, and in between, he healed people, he fed multitudes, um, he touched lepers, he changed people's hearts. He's a wonder-working God. And he's the same yesterday, today, forever. And he says to those that band of fishermen, and tax collectors, and and other non-notables, when I leave, you're going to keep my work going, and you're going to expand it. You're going to do things greater than I did. Now, can I tell you, we don't believe that. We don't even think Jesus is right when he says it. Jesus, nobody can do what you do. And Jesus will say, you can do everything I say you can do, and it'll be me doing it. Does that make sense? So... He'll carry on, you'll carry on my ministry and you'll increase it. I just put in my notes not much ended when Jesus ascended. Hmm, came to me late today. Good. Verses, 12 and, no, verses 13 and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. You can stop right there. I'll take it, Jesus. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh, so that's the motive. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Here's a second promise along the way. Jesus says, and I will hear your prayers. The prayers Jesus doesn't answer are the ones he doesn't hear. This whole yes, no, or wait thing is is clever by preachers, but you won't find it in the Bible. The psalmist teaches us that the prayers that God hears, he says yes to, And the ones he says no to are the ones he says, I won't hear those. It's kind of the same thing as when he says in the new covenant, your sins I will remember no more. He's choosing. But Jesus says to his disciples, I will hear your prayers. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me ask you this. Is that verse a blank check from God to give you as a believer anything you want? That's an error in word of faith churches and prosperity gospel churches. The prosperity gospel is no gospel at all. It's a false gospel. Isn't it true? If you hear a preacher say, give me a seed offering so that I can get a new jet and you can be blessed, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of Satan. Yes? Jesus said when he was on earth, he had no place to lay his head. So here's my question. Did Jesus intend our prayers to be the way that we manipulate God into doing what we think is best? That can't be what that verse means. That if you just ask me, I'll do it, and then I'll just change my ideas to your ideas. When the Lord made short statements about prayer, things like, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it, he did so in the middle of his disciples participating in what God was already doing. Like you get your prayers answered when you just hop into what God is up to. Because when you do that, he changes what you ask for and what you desire. And they they hook up with his will. Does that make sense? Look, I need God to change my prayers. So do you. While we are invited to make any request of God, the prayers that move his hand are those that grow out of Trusting who he is and trusting what he's doing. So I'll hear your prayers. Verses 15, 16, and 17. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth is his name, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Here's the third promise along the way from those three verses Jesus says, I will enable you to obey me. God is not daring you to fail at the Christian life so that he can squash you. In fact, he says, I love you so much and I'm so good, I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to send a helper. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus called him the helper. This is the promise of the new covenant, by the way, in Jer- Jeremiah 31, where God says, I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. This is God's promise to believers. And if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. But, but, but Lord, I'm, I'm so weak, I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to cause you to obey me. I'm going to receive the glory, and you're going to receive the benefit, and everybody wins, Right? Y'all need to get you a preacher today. You ain't listening to me. And finally, verse 18, we come to our promise for today. And that promise is, I will come to you. It's the prerequisite of his other promise, I'll be with you. I'll come to you. John 14, 18, I will not leave you orphans. I'll come to you. In the Bible, you know what orphans are? Orphans are those with no caring support. Let me say If you're a baptized believer and you don't belong to a church, you're an orphan. You have separated yourself from God's caring support of a loving church. A church that'll love you and give you the positive things you want, and a church that'll love you and give you the challenging things that you need. If you're not a member of this church, I'm not your pastor. I'm your friend, and I'm the guy that preaches to you every week, but I'm not your pastor. And if you don't belong to us, this is not your church. This is the church that wants to be your church. Does that make sense? Orphans. The the whole gospel is about doing things about orphans. And and it's not just the poor kids that don't have parents. Those are clearly orphans. It's those without caring support. Uh, And here's here's what Jesus is saying in this promise. I love this. He He looks into the eyes of his disciples on the night before he dies, and he says, you will not be abandoned. And then he says, I will not leave you defenseless. And then he says, I will not leave you unprotected. And then he says, and this is my favorite one, I will not outsource your security. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. I'll do it. May I say this is not true for unbelievers? In what chapter of the Bible we're in, look look down the page and say it out loud. The chapter John what? Okay, we started in John 12. Does that mean there's 11 verses in John 14 before we get there? Yes or no? In those 11 verses is verse 6, one of them? You know verse 6, right? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the what before me except by me? The Father. Um, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's not the only way to the Forgiver. Because God's not in the forgiveness business. He's in the relationship business. He doesn't forgive sinners and say, have a great life, do whatever you will, I'll see you on the other side. That's a forgiver, that's not a father. No one comes to the father but through me. If you come to the father, you're no longer an orphan. Apart from Jesus, we're orphaned. And only his coming to us overcomes this condition. Now I'm gonna finish the sermon. By answering one question, what are the ways the Lord Jesus comes to his disciples? What are the ways? Well, the context of John 14 allows for three answers. Bible scholars and commentators are all over the map on this. I read so much this week, I said, why try to pick the one that I think's best since they all fit? All three answers are true. Are you ready? All right, so the first answer to what are the ways the Lord Jesus comes to his disciples is... Number one, in his resurrection appearances. So Jesus rises from the dead, but he doesn't immediately go back to heaven. He walks through walls and appears and scares everybody and shows up at the garden tomb, and, 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 and he just shows himself. But who does he show himself to? Not the religious leaders, not the chief priest, not Pontius Pilate, not the Romans, the 12 or the eleven. And the women and the ones who end up in the upper room, yes, he proves himself to his own, and that's still who he proves himself to. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We are saved by grace, through faith, not by sight. Jesus even says, "If you see a miracle, it won't convince you, John six, uh, Luke 16. So he shows himself to his disciples. Uh, John 14, 19 and 20, the next two verses, he says to them a little while longer and the world will see me no more. That means he dies and is buried. But you will see me. Everybody say, you will see me. He tells them that. When the world, when I disappear before the world, I'm coming back and showing myself to you. You will see me. Do you see it? Because I live, you will live Also. And then look, at that day, you will know that I'm in the Father, and you and me, and I in you. What day? The day that I show myself to you after I rise from the dead. That's when you, all this will be verified to you. That's good, isn't it? So he appeared to them after he rose. He turned their sorrow into joy, and he overcame their distress. And the disciples gained not just a fresh understanding of all the stuff that he taught, they gain resurrection life. He says, because I live, you also will live. So the first way he comes to his disciples is he physically comes to them after he rises from the dead, his resurrection appearances. By the way, his resurrection appearances, what do I have in my notes? Confirm the good news. When Jesus showed himself alive to his disciples, now when he says, I died for sinners so that they can believe and be saved, they go, it's done. Now, when he, now now his it is finished line makes sense to us. It confirms the good news. That's what his coming to us does. Here's the second answer to the question. He comes to us, his disciples, by sending the Holy Spirit. If, if his resurrection appearances confirm the good news, the sending of the Spirit empowers the mission. Here's where he says he sends the Spirit. John 14, 26. John 14, 28. 26, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what's He gonna do? Teach you all things and bring your remembrance all the things I said to you. I'm gonna come to you in the ministry of the Spirit, and you're afraid you're gonna forget what I told you. But he's gonna remind you. It's gonna be as if I'm right in the room. He comes by the Holy Spirit. Verse 28: You heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd rejoice. Because I said I'm going to the Father, my Father is greater than I. Don't be sad that I'm going away. Be filled with joy because it's the only way I send the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how you're going to get the power in your life to turn the world upside down. I come to you in the Spirit. Let me just say it this way. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is more than creating godly character in believers. Does he do that? It's called the work of sanctifying grace. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is more than granting spiritual gifts to Christians. Does he do that? Yes. He also makes the risen Lord Jesus present with his church. And sometimes he brings the risen Lord Jesus to sit in the seat next to you when you're in the gathering. Last week we had some prophetic words for the month of January. Had three different prophetic people share in, two to, in both services. All the words were different. I was hoping for just a few stories. I'm overwhelmed. I got like two dozen. It's too many to tell you today. But one of them, Billy Egner, one of our elders, had uh, what Dr. Sam Storms called a, calls a sympathetic pain. It was a, he, Billy described it as a throbbing, stabbing pain in his right thumb. He doesn't have an injured thumb. This never happens. But it started happening in January, and severely enough that he began to pray and say, God, are, uh, are you doing this so that I'll be aware and pray for people? And if I share this word, they might come for prayer and be healed. He shared that word last Sunday. It took about 10 seconds or less for him to read it. And I was like, Lord, I, I prayed, God, just one person. Let that, let that encourage and minister to one person. Well, four different worshipers came up to Billy after, after that service was over. One of them came online. They were watching by internet. The first guy said, I had a work accident years ago and crushed my thumb in a machine, and it's, it's numb, and it's been hurting, and it was my right thumb. And would you? I just That was God wanting me to, to pray and ask him to do something with that. The second was the online lady. She said, I'm at home. I have this arthritic trigger finger. It's my right thumb. It's been killing me this week. Another guy cut his thumb off the tip of it cutting food as he was cooking last week. He came to church and it was kind of hurting. I mean, if you cut the end of your thumb off, it kind of hurts. I think. It's never happened to me. And the other lady said, that specific pain that Billy described has been troubling me for weeks. They all four came for prayer. You see, sometimes the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings Jesus next to you to remind you that he loves you. One more of those, um, another lady had a word about migraine headaches and and so she shared that word, and Sarah Flowers, uh, report, she, she went for prayer, and she said, I've been having debilitating migraine headaches every day for a month. Maybe the Lord will heal me. Well, the girl that gave the word prayed for her and said, God, just just heal Sarah's migraines. Give her some relief. Here, here's what Sarah told me when she walked in today. She said, she said, Pastor, I received prayer last Sunday, and I haven't had a migraine headache all week long. And she said, I had to travel for work this week and still didn't get a headache. I did start off with a golf illustration, so a golf clap's okay. <laughs> Number three, what, what are the ways the Lord Jesus comes to his disciples in his return? If his resurrection appearances confirm the good news, and if the sending of the Holy Spirit empowers the mission, then his return will vindicate the church. It'll tell the whole world that everything we've been saying is true, and you should have listened. Jesus talks about his return in John 14:2 and three. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Or as he says in verse 18, I won't leave you orphans. I'll come to you. That where I am, there you may be also. My, my favorite Christian singer is a, is a dead guy named Keith Green. And he wrote a song called, I Can't Wait to Get to Heaven. And before that song, live in concert, he would always say this. He would say, if God made the world in six days and Jesus has been working on heaven for 2,000 years, then this must be like living in a garbage can. I can't wait to get to heaven. May I just say that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth? We... By the way, it's the most. It will be the most dramatic. I told you so in all of human history. But how does the church, how does the church deal with that? Number one, we anticipate it. Number two, we celebrate it. Number three, we prepare for it. And number four, we tell others to do the same. Now, how do I apply this message to my life? Three ways. Number one, you obey the gospel. It was confirmed in his resurrection appearances. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Have you ever repented? Have you been water baptized and united with a local church of people who have believed and repented and been baptized? Have you been converted? If not, Jesus is not offering you eternal life, he's commanding you to get it. Have you obeyed the gospel? Number two, you walk in the Spirit. Sending the Holy Spirit empowers the mission. Have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? in in a way that causes you to hate sin more and love God, hate hate sin more and love God more a, a moment that changes everything and 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 empowers you up and levels you up have you been filled with the spirit walk in the spirit and lastly you live for his return everybody look at me are you living for today or that day It's that day that matters. Now, there's next steps to take. It's on this card. It's the last way we're going to worship God together today. What's next for me? I need to get to know people at Great Commission Church. I want to get involved and see if this is the faith family for me. Don't, don't put your things up yet. You, you, might dis- you might disturb somebody next to you that needs to hear this. Everybody look at me. Trust Jesus for the first time is the second box. I need to become a Christian. I need to obey the gospel. Mark that. We'll help you. There's no obligation, but we'll help you. You're saying I, I, want to, I want this to be clear for me. Rediscover my faith in Jesus. You might say, you know, I've been away from church, I've been away from the Lord for a while, but it feels like I'm coming home. Mark that box, we'll help you. The next one is I'm ready to be baptized. Hey, that's that's marrying Jesus. That, that's putting on that wedding ring. That's that's identifying with the body of Christ. It's it's completing your conversion. It's it's putting you in the category that Jesus would count you as a Christian in the New Testament. Need to be baptized. Or I I need to join. I'm already all of that. I just need to be adopted into this family, become a member of our church. Would you mark one of those or two or whatever that, that that, that fits your life as an act of worship, put it in the offering boxes on the way out and let's respond to the truth we've heard today. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray and when I say amen, we'll be dismissed. Father, we've heard great truth. We've sung truth. We've been prayed for today. It's been an amazing time in your house. God, I pray that the seeds that have been planted in our hearts, the devil won't steal. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week, brothers and sisters.